Welcome back, everybody. This is J.R. Flatter, our distinguished guest this week on the Secrets of Leadership Coaching is Mr. Greg Hebert. And sir, I'll let you introduce yourself. You do a much better job than I ever could. Uh, thank you, J.R. What a privilege and pleasure to be with you uh, in, in this podcast. Uh, I have um, run a company, leadership development company called Leadership Forward for the past 20 years. A little bit about my background. I consider myself a jack of all trades, master of very little. Um, I I started out as a a career army officer, uh, spent most of my field time in the 82nd Airborne Division, uh, jumping out of uh, what the Air Force would say perfectly good planes. Uh, I I had a fork in the road where uh, West Point, the United States Military Academy, asked me to to consider teaching. uh, And I had some choices, history, social sciences, or behavioral sciences, which was the department that sort of um, owned uh, the the, uh, required leadership course that every junior had to take. And I I decided to do that. Uh, They let me apply to a host of schools uh, to include the Harvard Business School. I was surprised that I got in and it was a transformational experience. And then uh, I I didn't know if I would enjoy the challenges of being in the classroom and uh, come to find out um, it it was a perfect fit for me. I I love challenging my students and it really has the work that I started back in uh, 1990 continues to this day because my my whole view of teaching leadership is that, uh, you know, if the great man or person theory worked, all you'd have to do to make better leaders is give them a book. And uh, you and I know that uh, while it's good to read, uh, giving somebody a book does not uh, in, in turn mean that they're going to adopt the, the qualities of a Abraham Lincoln. Um, so my job as I walked into that classroom each day was how could I help my students be more thoughtful and reflective? How could I give them some evidence-based tools about uh, what makes sense to best understand the dynamics of the situation, the dynamics of the group cohesion, any potential conflict that had to be managed, uh, the motivational issues going on for your soldiers. And, and each day I would try to give them a, a, a sense through case studies of what the real army might be and some of the challenges they would face as young uh, leaders, uh, leading one of our, our greatest assets, our, our soldiers, Marines and, and, and seamen across the, the globe. And so I had gotten the bug uh, and I really felt that if I could do this for the rest of my life, I'd be a happy man. The army had different designs, wanted me get back out to soldiers. And I decided that I would uh, leave the army. I had three young children, small family. uh, And I had, uh, with my father's career, moved all my life. So the notion of going to one place and staying put was actually quite enticing. Uh, I got an offer uh, from McKinsey and Company, a strategic consulting firm. And I uh, moved my family and uh, left the army in 1993 and uh, didn't look back. Uh, had a wonderful career as a management consultant for McKinsey, got recruited away by uh, AT&T, uh, one of the baby bells, Bell South. Uh, had a, uh, several corporate roles there to include uh, head of HR for a billion dollar, $4 billion business unit, uh, corporate strategy. Then got recruited away by a dot-com, uh, did that for a couple of years, that crazy world of uh, not having to make much profit. <laughs> it's a little insane. And then I got recruited away by a, a recruiting firm, a global executive search firm, where I did C-level placements uh, throughout the, the globe. Uh, but one of the things that I really loved was getting to build out uh, their management appraisal practice, which was boards and CEOs would invite us in to assess uh, their, their, their bench strength of leaders. Did they have the leaders necessary 
to fulfill their strategic aspirations in the years ahead. And, uh, and, and still to this day, I do a lot of leadership assessment and it's, it, it's hard because nobody's gonna tell you what they're really bad at. Right? In, in all of my years of assessing and coaching, very rare that I have a leader say to me, you know, Greg, I'm really good at marketing or I'm really good at strategy, but I wish I could be more inspirational to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you and I both know that there's a bell-shaped curve everywhere you go. And, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, long story short, uh, you know, ever since West Point, I had the, the dream of wanting to start my own leadership development company and 20 years ago, started Leadership Forward. Um, and it was out of a, a notion of trying to provide just-in-time leadership education to intact leadership teams. And that uh, uh, went very, very well. And, and I added coaching to that. Uh, and, and probably my first uh, large-scale client engagements began in 2003. And uh, within a few years, I, I provided what I called Catalyst. Uh, did this at Mary Washington Healthcare for many years where uh, I'd show up monthly uh, in, in a, with a curriculum that the, the head of HR and the CEO had worked with me around designing based upon what they saw as the needs of their leaders. Uh, and I would try to bring an article, a book, uh, something that spoke uh, very um, constructively about that competency. And then invariably, uh, my job as a, as a teacher and facilitator would be to push that team to say, okay, you've, you've read an article about Yahoo or, or Southwest Airlines. So what? What does that mean for your team in terms of what you do differently tomorrow, next week, next month, next year? And uh, I, I, uh, and I would usually sign up clients for one year. And uh, Mary Washington was an example where 13 years later, I was still providing that. Now, now I'd like to believe that each year it was different as the, as the team progressed, the team raised their level of performance. I'd like to believe that the concepts uh, that I tried to bring them w- were just as much a reflection of their journey. Um, so, you know, since uh, as these, um, engagements uh, began to expand. I, I had the opportunity to bring other people onto my team. Uh, probably the, the high point, I had 14 colleagues in, in 2008. Uh, leadership development, selling it at that time got a little challenging. So I decided to right size uh, and uh, the, the firm sort of went down to a more manageable size, about eight of us. Um, and uh, we, we provide uh, leadership education uh, executive coaching, strategic fil- facilitation, and probably the love uh, team development, where I've got a team where the CEO or the senior leader says, you know, we're just not working as well and as effectively together. Can you help us uh, figure out what, what we need to do to, to be more aligned, more cohesive, and more connected? Uh, and I've had a side hustle, which you appreciate. Um, a couple years ago, I got very, very interested in this concept of resilience. This is pre-COVID, and post-traumatic growth. So uh, back in 2018, I wrote a book called You Can't Give What You Don't Have, uh, Creating the Seven Habits That Make for a Remarkable Life. Uh, And and all through the pandemic, uh, clients have asked me to give talks about how do we use trauma and difficulty and crisis as catalysts for our own internal transformation uh, and, and positive change. Uh, I have a new book coming out, I hope, in, uh, in early October called Changing Altitude, Helping Leaders Soar in Their New Roles. And this book speaks very, very specifically to the leadership skills that I think are required as you go from being one unit leader to a multi-unit leader. Uh, you know, you move from the COO to the CEO, 
you move mm-hmm. from director to to VP, and 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 if you sort of do a search on the in in uh, you know uh, on online about you know uh, what 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 um, materials are out there, what books are out there, what articles, and there seems to be a a real gap in the leadership literature of these big changes and changing altitude is a is a key metaphor, I think, for uh, leaders need to shift their perspective in order to see differently and lead differently when they move levels and, and, and they greatly expand their scope and responsibility. So, uh, you know, over the course of the last 20 years, I think I've coached well over 650 leaders, uh, work with uh, over 100 uh, intact leadership teams to help them develop and and of course, have run leadership workshops, leadership education for a multitude of clients. Wow, that's a that's a magnificent background and story. And now I have another book to read. So, <laughs> when do you say it's coming out again? Hopefully, early October. Perfect. I definitely read that. That's an interest of mine. So, with that mountain of background. Uh, and we're focused on coaching. I, it's interesting. You use leadership and coaching almost synonymously. They're so interrelated, uh, as do I. Uh, but there are some subtle differences. Do I need to be a PhD, retired colonel, paratrooper to to do what you do? No, no. Matter of fact, um, you you'll you'll appreciate this. That uh, as I have done this work more and more. Uh, one of the, the key pieces of advice is, you know, get out of my own way, which means uh, probably the worst thing I can do is tell you what you should do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, I have four adult children and it hasn't worked really well with them. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, now that I've, I've been coaching for as long as I have, the, the less advice and guidance I give and, and the more that I can create the conditions for the, the, the client to really have the courage to confront uh, the, their own challenges, their, their own shortcomings, their own rough edges. Uh, the, the more that I can get them to own that, uh, we, we can then, uh, with my support, help them get to a course of action that they can do something about. Uh, it was interesting, JR, that a couple of weeks ago, I, I was filling out some form and it asked my occupation. <laughs> And I, I didn't put leadership coach, I put management consultant. And, yeah, yeah. and the, the difference is, is uh, when I was a, a great consultant, it was rarely when I was saying, here's the answer, here's the golden key. Because yeah. in my experience, when I gave them the golden key, uh, they, they either didn't have the, the full understanding of that or they didn't have the culture and context mm-hmm. for that golden key to work in that environment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I learned very quickly as a management consultant that I, that I had to help them create solutions that would work within their context and culture in the dynamics of, of their industry. Uh, so, you know, j- jumping forward as an executive coach, my best work is how do I help this person see what they need to see and do what they need to do and help them sustain that uh, learning over time? And uh, if I can do that, uh, they're gonna be happier, they're gonna be more effective. And, and I think the other thing that I try to take is, I don't believe this notion that you leave your personal <laughs> stuff at the door, that uh, my, my hope and aspiration, and I'd like to believe why clients keep hiring me, is I, I want them to be better parents, I want them to be better spouses, I want them to be better human beings. 
And I think if I can help them do that, they're also uh, better, better leaders. So if you would, as a, a successful entrepreneur, talk to us about the business side of coaching for a minute. Uh, you, you said you had 14 employees at one time, and now you're around eight. Um, talk to us about that. How, do you, how did you do that? How do you keep it going? <laughs> well, uh, you know, e even though I have a Harvard um, uh, MBA, <laughs> Uh, I am not a, a very detailed human being. I can do the details, but I prefer not to. So my model of business, uh, sadly, is going to be over oversimplistic, which is make a lot more than you spend. <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, I, you know, one of the decisions that uh, I had to challenge one of my partners early on is he had a dream uh, that we would have a building with our name on it. Yeah. And uh, and and my view was why. <laughs> it, 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 will that make, will that make us serve the clients better? Yeah. Um, and and uh, so we've made a lot of those decisions to to minimize overhead. Uh, and, and as long as we we provide a competitive rate to clients, uh, and 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 uh, the, the the key is um, you know being able to balance. You, you want to have a personal life, mm. but you know you, you also have to bill enough days you know, to, 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 uh, to generate enough <laughs> revenue to make this a, a meaningful lifestyle. Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, always as a small business owner, if you're not hustling, uh, each and every day, I, I, I brought in a new partner who, uh, is, uh, is a retired Colonel, uh, taught leadership, uh, strategic leadership in the national defense university. Uh, but I knew him as a cadet when I was on the faculty and, you know, I'm, I'm supporting his efforts to grow his book of business. And I tell him, even when things are going well, if you're not doing at least four to seven things to develop business, and what, what's that look like? You, you know, make the call, go to the networking meeting, do the follow-up, you know, ask clients to be references. You know, if you're not doing four to seven tangible things every day, you're going to wake up and going, oh, I just finished with that engagement. What do I do now? So, you know, the, 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 being a small business owner, I actually love the 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 thrill of the hustle, mm -hmm. and because you, you always have to be doing it. If you if you let your guard down, right, mm -hmm. then you then very quickly you can become uh, irrelevant. What's the word? Uh, not relevant. <laughs> so yeah, it's a long business cycle. Uh, <laughs> my business, I use a two to three year business cycle between introduction and revenue, uh, and I've wow. found that I'm in a, a different business place yeah. than you are. Another interesting thing, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this for people thinking about going into business. What I realized a long time ago, you and I started our businesses probably the same year, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as I got to a certain size, I had to become a full-time CEO. And I didn't get to be a coach or a leader developer or, or that thing that I loved. And so talk to us about having that team of 18 and how much time was it taken away from yeah. what you love? No, that's... Uh... That's a great, great question because uh, I, I hired my own coach and I wanted to find someone who would be very, very different from me. Yeah. And I found this amazing woman. Her name is Megan Nyer. And if you look in uh, NCAA diving uh, annals, you'll find that she's the winningest uh, female uh, uh, NCAA diver. And, and she was just tough as nails on me. And mm. uh, it, at the height of, of leadership forward, um, 
we, we had hired a lot of lot like-minded people and, uh, you know, on Myers-Briggs, not that I use Myers-Briggs, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a intuitive feeler. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, come to find out if you're not careful, you hire a lot of people like you. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of feelers and, and the problem with feelers sometimes is they, 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 they're not always oriented towards action as much as they could or should be. So sometimes we would have internal conflicts and I found myself spending, to your point, more and more time trying to manage the conflicts uh, in, 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 and keep the sense of cohesion and harmony going at the expense of doing work that I deeply love. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, her coaching was, was uh, you know, it was epiphany when she said, you know, I notice that when you talk about the work, you're like enormously happy <laughs> when you talk about managing all the stuff not related, you know, certainly related to the work, but not doing the work, uh, you, you, you could feel your shoulders sort of drop down a bit. And, and I will be you know, completely honest, that was the impetus to right size, to get it to where it was manageable. Uh, I, you know, I have really high performing colleagues. You know, we still, we still uh, do a ton of collaboration. Um, but but I don't have to spend a lot of my time tending to the business as much as I l- get to do in, in doing the business. And, yeah. and, and that's why, you know, uh, the, the hustle of, of business development, you know, every day you got to keep it on the forefront. <laughs> For you, it's probably like eating the frog, right? <laughs> yes. <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had to put somebody else in the CEO chair so I could go back to doing what I love. I was fortunate enough to be able to do that a few years ago. So uh, we are called the lead, the secrets of yeah. lead, uh, yeah. leadership coaching. Um, so one of the requirements of being a distinguished guest is you have to give up one of your secrets. Yes. What do you got for us? So uh, you, you, I think you reside in the Commonwealth of Virginia, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Absolutely. And uh, I have the privilege of, of getting to work with one of your distinguished uh, state leaders. His name is Dr. Dan Carey. He's the Secretary of Health and Human Resources. Uh, and I'm, I'm just so proud of the work that he and your governor have done to protect the citizens of Virginia uh, as, you know, the science of, of what, what COVID really was and uh, you know, dealing with uh, people who, who didn't believe in, in protecting against it and still don't believe in getting vaccines. And I think Virginia has managed it as reasonably as well as you possibly could, given the chaos and all of the conflicting information. Uh, and and, and uh, one, of the, one of the secrets that, that I'm offering today <laughs> is one that he uh, actually gives me uh, credit for and uses a lot. And that's uh, when, when I talk about engaging another human being in this thing called coaching, uh, essentially for the coaching to really be effective, the, the, the person being coached has to believe that the coach has their best interests at heart, mm-hmm. uh, that it is a safe place for them to be real and to, and to be honest, uh, b- because we, we've got to, ha- to have the opportunity to confront the mirror. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and so one of the ways that I build quickly rapport and trust is I, I remember this very simple acronym of have HAVE relationships. And the H stands for humility, that uh, 
every time I walk into a coaching relationship to remind myself that, Greg, this is not about you. This is not about meeting your need. This is about you being fully present uh, to the life of another human being. And if, if you listen well enough, if you build the relationship close enough, you know that you're going to be able to support and help this human being in, in whatever their aspirational outcomes and dreams are in their life. So uh, humility is, is sort of the first point of entry into that building rapport. The second one is acceptance. Uh, just uh, I am going to accept my client uh, with, with all of their talent, with all of their gifts, with all of their strengths and their rough edges. And there's not a human being in this world who doesn't have rough edges. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the very nature that I am one of the most spontaneous people you'll ever meet. <laughs> my rough edges, I tend not to be as methodical and organized as I could be. It is what it is. Right? <laughs> now, that doesn't give me an excuse for that lack of structure and organization to be a hindrance to, to my delivering on what it is I, I may have promised to you. Right. So acceptance is, is sort of the second piece. The V, vulnerability. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going through a health challenge. I, I, mm -hmm. I will openly share that with my clients, not for sympathy, not for uh, anything, but to be real. Mm -hmm. that you want this other human being uh, to, to be real and authentic. And one of the best ways is, is, is to share what, uh, what, what we're each going through. You know, when, when uh, I, I know that I have built a successful relationship with a client is before I can say anything, they're going, Greg, how are you really doing? Like, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. this is about you. <laughs> yeah, but I care about you. <laughs> and, and, and the fourth uh, you know, element of have is empathy. And, yeah. and the more that I can try to understand the world that you see, the world that you walk in, the world that you are leading in, the, 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 the more I think insightful I can be to ask the right question in the right way uh, to trigger uh, your thoughtfulness and reflection uh, again about uh, what's really going on for you and what do you need to do about it differently than you currently are. So wow. have relationships. That's great. Uh, I'm going to borrow that one from you, and I'll always give you credit, of course. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the, the, the other thing that I, it, it, it's not a secret, but the reason why the, the, the book that's coming out begins with changing altitude is, I don't know, JR, if you've ever heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect. I have. It's, I can't recall. Yeah, it's, it's two UNC psychologists, uh, Adam Grant in his book, Think Again, References them. And it, it, it's a premise that these two psychologists frame that human beings and more men than women tend to think they know more than they actually do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the internet has only made it more yeah. dangerous. <laughs> right? and, and so changing altitude is to check, you know, your 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 understanding just a bit to to go high to see the broader picture and to go to go low to make sure you understand enough about the weeds now that doesn't mean to micromanage and and you know spend all your time in the weeds but it says have the courage and the humility to shift your perspective uh especially when you uh may not know what's going on i think uh, uh secretary rumsfeld who passed away recently uh, you know, he gave a very famous press briefing in the early days of Operation uh, Enduring Freedom, where he said, it's it's not the what you don't know that's going to get you. It's what you don't know you don't know. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I think to be mindful of what you don't know, you don't know. You gotta make it safe for other human beings and you gotta challenge your own assumptions. Yeah, absolutely. So the final thing that I would ask of you uh, is we're building our network for our uh, viewers and listeners so to broaden the, so we're, we're all on this journey of lifelong learning. Uh, who might we invite as a future distinguished guest uh, that would deliver value to our listeners? Thank you for asking that. I, uh, I, my, uh, I have two incre- incredible sisters, uh, both of them uh, former military officers. My one sister is the chief nursing officer of Tenant, uh, where she has responsibility for 65 hospitals and thousands of nurses. And uh, she said, hey, who, who do you have that could coach me? Mm. And, uh, and, and so I, I may be bre- breaking <laughs> confidences by even saying that she asked for a coach. And she said, it can't be you. And I said, yeah, I wouldn't want to coach you. <laughs> but I said, let me, let me recommend somebody who I have tremendous uh, trust and respect for. And, and uh, her name is Jennifer Daniels. She has a company called Flying Laboratories. Mm. Uh, and, and what makes Jennifer so extraordinary, uh, she's, she's helped coach me, is uh, she, she had a very successful career as a corporate executive for GE uh, and, and, and one of the things that she did for GE was to roll out some of their uh, performance improvement tools across the country for their clients. Um, so she, she has a, just a strong business orientation. She has a, you know, a, 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 you know, a, a, a no fluff approach, you know, she, uh, but incredible wise and, and uh, extremely gifted as, a, as an executive coach. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you've been very generous with your time. And uh, I'm certain that our listeners and viewers will take away many, many nuggets. We always take the transcripts and, and look through the transcripts because in the, in the transcripts, you really see those nuggets that you mm. might not have thought in mm. the spoken word. Mm. So thanks so very much for being here and uh, have a great day. Well, I'm, I'm honored that you would even ask me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have followed uh, your, your success. Um, so the fact that uh, you, you would see me as a distinguished uh, a visitor on your program is uh, just an incredible opportunity for me, JR. So I'm deeply grateful. Uh, thank you for making my day and my week. This is a great way to, I've got two more coaching calls, but uh, I'm close to the end of the week. And this is, this is, a, this is a high point. So thank you so much. All right, sir. Have a great day. Take care.